If you are a sponsor or would like to run a commercial and think that my message and my podcast would be beneficial for your business, please consider contacting me. I would be honored to work with you. We have the ability to put commercials into these episodes. Thank you for your consideration. Take care. Come with me as we dive into some of the most intimate diaries a person could share. My mission is to inspire you to push through during the toughest of times, too. Thank you for being here. This is Push Diaries Podcast, and I'm your host, Tess. Episode 29, Adam. Hi. (laughs) Hi, Tess. Nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. This is awesome. Thank you for being on. Sure. I'm going to make you full screen. I'm glad I can hear you now. I'm sorry. I was just on a call from three to four, so I quick zipped over here. I'm glad you needed tea because I did too, so (laughs) cheers. It's what, like one o'clock in California right now? 109. Yeah, where are you at? You're Michigan? Yep, I'm in Michigan. I'm an hour west of Detroit, so kind of right in the central southern part. So can you remind me how we met or how we got? Yeah. Yes. So I watched the heel documentary and it's funny because my therapist recommended it. Like she told me, she's like, you need to go watch this documentary. It's phenomenal. And this was probably six months ago. And so I was following the heel documentaries, Instagram page, and you were on it once doing like some guided meditations. Yeah. Every Wednesday. Yep. Yes, that's so cool. Have you been doing that throughout the entire pandemic or when did that start? Yeah, basically. I think April, March or April we started. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember I was like packing up my apartment because we just moved into this house. We, my fiance and I bought his grandfather's house and I was like packing up stuff in my apartment and I was feeling stressed and I was like, heal documentaries live. What? And so I clicked on it. And it was great to like have your guidance in meditation and being able to be more present because I don't know if it's weird to tell you that I'm, you know, going to be 32 soon. And as a 32 year old person, like I really thought I would have a better idea of like how to meditate and how to self soothe as an adult. You know, we talk about kids being able to self soothe, but I feel like even in our culture today, like it's just more foreign. So yeah. yeah. And kids, kids can learn it. I was last Wednesday, not this Wednesday, but last Wednesday, I was with my four-year-old niece. I brought her because we were all together in, in California. Uh, and I'm like, hey, do you want to come meditate? I just you know, got to offer, right? Yeah. And she said, okay. She not even know what it was, but she did the breath work, you know, and it was kind of like, you know, I was kind of also hinting at my brother, whose kid it is, yeah. like, yeah. Hey. Come join us. Yeah. If she can do it. Come on, man. Yeah. So, you're not alone. He's 40. He's 41. We're yeah. all from Michigan. I don't know if I said that, but we're all from Michigan. Originally. That's sweet. Where did you grow up or where whereabouts? Yeah. I grew up in West Bloomfield, Birmingham. And I lived in Royal Oak, Ferndale uh, before I came out here. And nice. uh, my, bro- so my brothers are both in Royal Oak. My parents are in Clarkston. So where, cool. what city are you what specific city are you in? So really close to Ann Arbor. We're like literally 20 minutes, maybe less from the campus. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Is that, is that the direction of Chelsea or would it be the direction? Yep. Of, okay. Cool. Yep. 
Yeah, it's like, by, do you know where Brighton is? Brighton we're, for sure, yeah. Yep. My fiance grew up in Pinckney, so nice. that's why, yeah, we're all kind of here too. So that's kind of a fun connection that I didn't know. Yeah. Adam, can you just tell me a little bit about you growing up and like how you got involved with production? Is that what you went to school for? I mean, like what got you out to California? What got you wanting to start producing these awesome documentaries and what got you into meditating yourself? Because I know as well in our society, yeah, men are looked at as not emotional beings, even though you're just as human as I am. So I just, I find it curious. And I think the listeners would love to hear too, kind of how you got into what you're doing. Yeah, um, absolutely. How I became an emotional man, well, let's start there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I was an emotional kid, to be honest, you know, um, I remember my parents saying that I would pass out from crying so much, you know, that, yeah, like I would just like, and And so I think we all have it. And then some, at some point we become, in my case, like tenacious in order to cover or, and or survive, or in my family, it was humor and tenacity. I was a smaller kid, always up at a grade, you know, I was a smart kid. So I was kind of always up a grade and uh, smart kid, whatever that means. And then I was good at math you know, before most people were. And so they're like, yeah, go ahead, put him in school early. But um, so I was always kind of having to be tenacious. And then you realize, then for me, I realized when I got to, I'm just really going to skip ahead to college. I was a soccer player, played soccer in Michigan. We were all from Livonia Wolves, if you know Livonia. Sweet. Uh, We were badasses, you know, really good players. Anyway, um, when I finally got to college, I started meditating. Someone had a meditation tape and I found, okay, look, I can be just as tenacious on the field. I can be just as a man, a competitive warrior, but I don't have to let my emotions control me and yell at the referee and get red cards if you're familiar with soccer. You know, uh, that was kind of me. But um, I could be equally as tenacious. And I said, oh my gosh. And then I also would see after I meditated, I would go into the fraternity house and see where my brother's then. I left the fraternity house, but they're smoking weed. And I could tell the li- levels we were on was so different. So really quickly, I started to learn just through experience, not anyone telling me, but wow, when I meditate, it improves my ability to be a soccer player, you know, to live in the world. I can actually compete better. And I see, you know, what was patterns of, of marijuana and alcohol. Like that's that's a lower vibration. Right, right, right. You know, no one had to tell me that. You just see it by experience. And like, All right. Um, this works, you know, and if I was stressed out, I went to a school named Cornell University, which is beautiful but pretty pretty academically full-on and when I was stressed I would go down to the waterfalls and just um, meditate and my gosh you come out of there with you can shift your perspective so quickly yeah so so meditation was the first thing this will get us toward production eventually but first that's kind of how I I think I began to first um, be able to work with my emotions and be okay with my emotions and then then as I studied more and more and eventually India and such then really understanding how meditation can really allow us to have emotions and not be afraid of them and use them to evolve and grow. And like, it's okay to cry through your meditation, whatever your feelings actually, that's what the meditation is allowing you to see. So that's how I became an emotional man. Yeah. Uh, Well, that's, that's good. I know. I love the way that I phrased that and I love the way that you answered it. Hey, it worked out just fine. It worked out just fine. It, it is. It's like, you know, I my family was the same. Like we would use humor all the time to like kind of mask how we were all really feeling or we would just say like, oh, well, 
I mean, sure, we would ponder reasons why people would react the way they did. But I know that especially because I'm the youngest, I'm the youngest of three. I know that something that I did a lot was try to like bring humor to the situation to try to lighten the mood. And and then, you know, I grow up and I get a spinal tumor in 2014 mm-hmm. and it, it was actually a deadly tumor and I had it removed, which left me paralyzed. And so I'm in a wheelchair right now and I will be probably my whole life. Um, and so it's tested me to, you know, really pull out the things in my past that have bothered me or the generational trauma that that maybe has bothered me or, you know, I talk a lot, a lot on my podcast about depression and, you know, my mom's um, struggle with that too. And I always say on here, I'm like, I love you, mom. I'm not trying to like, you know, yeah. cast judgments on her. But, you know, I felt guilty with going through my cancer journey. And the truth is like, the depression was there before my cancer. So why am I, as I'm getting further away from 2014, when I was diagnosed with that, why am I owning that as myself? And you're right. Like using substances is a lower form of like coping and being present. And there's so much greater energy and power and perspective that comes from meditation. And so I'm like newly, I would say I'm a beginner, a novice meditationist. Is that even a word? Sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I don't, I'm, I don't know. Like I said, I was just so impressed with how simple, I mean, it was like you were on Instagram live, Adam, for like probably 10 minutes or something. And you did, you completely shifted my perspective. And I remember too in college and like even church camp growing up, I remember, you know, they would have like the breathing um, meditation where you would like envision water flowing over your body or coming up your legs. And it's pretty powerful that me as a person with paralysis, like I can still envision that, right? Like that can still shift my perspective, even though I can't feel. So yeah, I just want to, I want to know how you, how you became more comfortable with it. I mean, obviously you tried the tapes in college, you, you felt the positive benefit, but like, why, why did it stick? Yeah. You know, I don't know. And and thank you for sharing more about your journey too. And um, I know the healing journey can wake people up also, you know, we don't always like to say it because no one wants to get sick or hurt, but it it can be used to wake us up, um, be it, be it the pandemic or, whatever challenge, right? We can use things. Um, in my recent like doc series, we talk a lot about that, how pilgrimage or challenge, if we approach it that way, can be the, the catalyst for growth. Um, but how, you know, how, why did meditation stick? I think on some level I was wired for it a little bit. Um, I guess in seventh grade, I know in seventh grade, somehow I found Gandhi's autobiography. So you wonder like, okay, why was I drawn to that? It wasn't assigned. I just read it cover to cover. Was I just wired for India, past lives? Who knows? So Um, cool though. Now, were you brought up like Christian or Lutheran or like what was your? Yeah, Catholic, you know, I was confirmed, all all that stuff. We didn't, I think after, I think in high school, we stopped going to church regularly, but um, I was confirmed and it just didn't make all that much like sense to me as a story. Like I mean, it just sure. wasn't resonating with me. Um, you were curious about more. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, the teachings of Christ are just full on awesome. It's, you know, it's, it's great. My brother right. is full on that way. And it's like um, sometimes organized religion creates the problem, but usually the yeah. teaching of all the major religions, the teachings are beautiful. You know, the teachings are super beautiful. But for me, for whatever reason, meditation, I think also probably like yourself, like my parent, my, my dad was pretty emotional when it came to like just losing his cool. Um, and I didn't want to be like that. You know, I right. just I wanted to have a little more autonomy over my emotions. So I think when a skill came in that would help me to do that and be aware, I really, for, for multiple reasons, wanted to use it. And again, seeing it work in soccer and then I just feel good. So um, I studied engineering in school, you know, to get back to the producing, how all that happened through a series of just choices of saying, you know what, what's really resonating with, with me? I wanted to keep playing soccer after college. I wanted to learn Spanish. So I went down to Ecuador, was able to raise, you know, raise money, go home and work after college, make enough money to go to Ecuador and learn a language, play soccer. And um, I think that was a big moment of just listening. And because I had meditated through college when everyone was freaking out, looking for jobs at blah, blah, blah. I was like, wait a second, what, are, what am I called? You know, what am I even just feeling? You know, what do I want to do? I, I can take a year. I can go work. You know, I, I can go right. make some money and then go do. I don't have to jump right in. Um, you know, thankfully, um, not because I was wealthy, but just because I just chose to. Like, okay, I can yeah. go work. I can go work and make some money in a different way. Right. You don't have to start your career the minute you're out of college and expect to know what you're going to do with your life. And I think that's great for the listeners to hear, too, because you know, as a woman, when I got diagnosed with my disability and, and my cancer, I was like, oh my gosh, Adam, I can't have kids now. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be a mom. Like, well, surely there's more to life than me just being a mom, right? So like, I don't know why we put so much pressure on ourselves when I'm so thankful that you like had a curiosity to go forth and like discover new cultures and new ways of life and new religions because that's what life's all about is finding commonality in those things. For sure. And it you know, really taught me that, oh, we can do that. We can pause. We can listen to what we're really interested in and life doesn't fall apart. Maybe for my parents, it fell apart a little bit where like, yeah. they're, they're like he's yeah. not going, you know, they pulled me aside like, wait, what are you doing? The second time then I went to Singapore to play soccer and, um, and they're like, wait, why aren't you using your engineering degree? And I'm like, hey, do you want to, you know, what do you want for your son? Do you want your son to be happy? And they said, yeah. And I said, guess what? Like, job done. Like, you're yeah. like, I'm happy. Like, I figured it out. It's cool. Like, you don't have to yeah. worry about me anymore. Like, I'm good. Regardless of what I do in life, I'm happy. So you won. And then they, I think it, whether or not <laughs> they agreed or not, like something went in like, okay. Yeah, we, he has a good point here. <laughs> he's got a good point. We can't really control this one. So, so off I went. And so I think a series of those choices and you know, at one point I did use my engineering degree. I worked with the Ford Motor Company in Michigan. I was a consultant. Uh -huh. But I was always coaching soccer, working with kids. And then I got so bored uh, with the engineering job, even while I was coaching kids, also soccer, uh, that I started doing stand-up comedy in the evenings just to really oh, challenge wow. myself. Yeah, and that was probably the scariest thing I'd ever done up until yeah. up until a motorcycle trip in the Himalayas. But we'll get to that. But uh and that got me into like improv comedy after that, Second City in Detroit, and, Sweet. and just exploring something I thought was actually scary also, like that I thought I never could do, having seen people do that, and and breaking that idea that it's that hard. There's techniques, there's practice, and you get good at something. And um, there's 
principles to apply, much like yoga and meditation. It's not this woo-woo thing. There's principles and there's techniques and there's practice. And as you do it, you get better at it, meaning at being human. And I think that's important for people to know that it's not, you know, meditation or whatever. It's not religious. It's these are practices. These are tools. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, from that, um, eventually, I wouldn't say outgrew uh, Detroit, but just wanted to um, really go to you know explore more and push it a bit in L.A. And I was always writing. My brother and I wrote some screenplays together and writing a lot of comedy and did came here for about a year and was doing acting, but soon was in India, which I thought I would never do. I thought I would settle down in LA. I was in India and I was in India again, and then in India a third time. And that's why I decided, oh, I'm going to focus more on writing and producing versus acting. I didn't really feel the power within acting. It was too much like waiting and hoping and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. at that point, my teacher there in India said, hey, do you want to come on a motorcycle ride in the Himalayas? I had never ridden a motorcycle in my life. And it was over the highest road in the world. And I just said yes. And so... Uh, I came back and, you know, went hunting for financing and learned how to direct and produce a feature documentary. And that was my first one. And I've been doing that ever since 12 years. So what happened on this motorcycle ride? Did you have, was this like a day long thing or was this like a trip where you were, like, can you tell me a little bit about what you experienced? Yeah. Let me, let me tell you how far you can go in India on a day on a motorcycle, uh, like 200 kilometers, like max, you know? Oh, Right, like it's windy, it's slow. There's no real sure. highways. It's dodging this. It's 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 monsoon rains. It's steep cliffs. It's trucks coming at you. Uh, so I think the first day riding, and there was others on the trip. My teacher, myself, and then there were six six others in that first movie called The Highest Pass. And first day there was already an accident in the first day out of the blocks. And so that was eye-opening and it wasn't me it was someone that was good at riding and the second day there was two accidents and I was at that point freaking out like what's going on these are good riders going down and India is just a very different pace you know it's a different sure it's a different ballgame the, the good thing is I was I was more accustomed just to India in general less accustomed to riding a motorcycle but more accustomed to India after being so long so I was tuned in I was very tuned into my teacher as well so I mean it if if those that watch the movie, it's on Amazon Prime. Again, it came out back in 2012, but it still holds water because it's all about facing death, facing fear, and everybody has that. And you'll see, you know, we're, we end up carrying motorcycles over snow. We get caught in a place we shouldn't be. The officials say the road's closed, but we go anyway. Uh, so, and it's great. We go see an oracle up in T- the, what's called Little Tibet up in Ladakh, India. The whole region's over 11,000 feet. And eventually we go over a road that's 18,000 feet. Wow. And, uh, but it's really more about the inner journey. Now, the outer journey is cool and it's there for you to experience and it freaks you out every day because you're facing death all the time. But the inner journey is what really um, kind of brings you along as a viewer because, you know, we're not all on motorcycles, but we all are facing fear. Just, oh, do I want to talk to that person in the cafe? Do I want to do something that's a little scary or bust out of my bubble? Anyway. Yeah, very cool. So you just brought a camera with you on this motorcycle trip? No, no, no. I, I went out and raised I we decided my teacher, his name's Anand. We really were like, we're not gonna do it half ass. We're gonna I'm gonna raise money and we're gonna get good camera people and you know, because motorcycles takes a certain kind of talent to film. Anyway, so no, we raised money so that it was shot really beautifully. Especially it's India, you want people, you won't see these places. Yeah. Like you won't go to these places, so you want to be captured. And India is just amazing to film at. The colors are vibrant. So you raised money and then you did it right away. Yeah, yeah. In terms of timeline, in terms of him asking me if I wanted to go on this trip, yeah, we didn't we didn't go actually for a year. 
Okay, so I, cool. I came, I came back to LA. Gotcha. Failed, failed to learn how to mo ride a motorcycle in that year. You know how you put things up. Uh, focused more on the film side, like raising money and all that. And then about two weeks before going, I'm like, I better learn how to ride a motorcycle. Right. Good for the film that I was a rookie. Not so good for, you know, my stress levels. Um, yeah. But yeah. That's so, that's, so cool, though. That's, that's the timeline. We didn't, I didn't do it on purpose to make it a more interesting film. It was just one of those, um, you know, procrastinating things. Well, but you also cared about it and you knew that the quality would be better if you, if you prepared and had the right equipment and the right money. And oh, yes, so then, yeah. yeah. So then how long were you, how long did the filming take once you were like on the road, would you yeah, say? About, about a month. Yeah, about a month cool. yeah, yeah. Cool. Hardest first film that you can probably imagine, one of the hardest, you know, aside from maybe in a war zone, but um, but it's very difficult. There's no scouting. You're, we're a team of 21 total with all the riders and crew and all this stuff. First film, it's in India, foreign country. You're facing, I was facing death myself. I'm in, you know, the film and, and directing and not much sleep is happening. And, oh, uh, yeah. So it was, uh, it's, for me, I look back, I'm like, God, I, I really was learning everything, every step of the way. Uh, very, very difficult. And I was hoping I'd be at a point where I am now where it's like I actually know what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, or something that I don't have to learn. You know? Yeah. Talk about like getting your toes wet. You just like jumped right in. You were like, I'm going to dive in head first and see how this goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that, and then ever since then, it's like the next film that came for me, she, my friend Kim said, hey, I, I was in Kazakhstan. I've filmed a couple of times. I don't feel like I've gotten the story. There was all these nuclear tests there by the Russians um, and the villages surrounding the area are just you know, terribly affected, but no one's taking care of them. I mean, and I was like, well, let's go. Like I heard her whole story. I'm like, there's so much story there. There's so much that needs to be told. Like, don't worry. Like I, we can do it. What I just did was very hard. This sounds almost easy. As scary as uh, you know, nuclear fallout is, and it is scary because you can't see it, you can't taste it, you can't smell it. Right. You know. But so I was like, let's go. And within two months, we were in Kazakhstan filming in these remote villages with these people that have seen such death and pain that you can't even imagine. So, wow, I bet that was a spiritual experience in itself. Now, what is the what is the film or documentary called that you did there? That one's called The Polygon. Yeah. Okay. That one's on Prime, Prime also. So these are the earlier docs. So they're all they're all on Prime. Sweet. The highest the highest pass was on Netflix for a bit. Now it's on Prime. The Polygon's on Prime. Yeah. Heal, Heal, you yeah. know about. Yeah. That's on Netflix currently. Yeah. Cool. That's so a lot cool. of stuff on Prime that I can put on your page with your web, with your um episode here. So that's really neat because I I just think that's so awesome. I. You know, part of me is like with my disability, Adam, it's like, oh, I, I can't do that stuff. But it's like, I mean, you're right. No matter where we look in the world, especially out of our own country and out of our own cities where we grew up, there are so many stories. And it's just so cool that like you had the balls to go to India and then, you know, just all over the place meeting these people and hearing their stories because you're right. I can't imagine. I did hospice social work before I... um you know, was paralyzed. I actually got a career in hospice social work and started, you know, only three months in and I was diagnosed with that back pain. And I was like, what the heck is wrong with me? Like, what's going on with my back? Come to find out, you know, there's a tumor in my back, like six centimeters tall by four centimeters wide. And it's, 
I, I thank God and the universe though for the hospice work that I did because it prepared me for my own journey with death and own, own face facing of death, you know? So that's just amazing. Okay. So uh, then what you'll, you'll dig it. Cause that's, that's exactly the thing. Everyone's going to have, has to face death at, in some way, some different point. And the sooner, especially in the yoga teachings, they, they teach us the sooner we do that, the better, not meaning have an experience, but like that push the envelope on our own. That's really mm-hmm. to me, one of the base teachings of the yoga practice. It's like, Let's go meet life head on. Let's go meet my shadows head on um, before they come and grab me. Um, and sometimes, you know, that's just not in your hands. You know, things are meant to kind of, you know, throw us challenges so that we wake up. And that, that's right. that. But we can also, I mean, a part of that whole film, I didn't tell you the highest pass, is that my teacher had a prophecy he would die. It's in his chart that says he'll die in his late 20s. So he was kind of meeting that his whole life with that death and not buying into it not living afraid and thus it didn't you know it didn't occur it did take him yeah. yeah yeah i i i think i really loved that in the heel documentary how you guys really produced and made the fact known that like our thoughts are so powerful and you know you and i were like well yeah obviously they're powerful they can change your whole biology but a lot of people adam you know in their 30s isn't it like I'm pretty sure when someone's like in their 30s, it's like the highest risk for them to commit suicide or to fall into depression, men mm-hmm. and women both. It's like a very common age group for substance abuse. And I think some of that is what we've already talked about, how it's like you try to fulfill some legacy that you have to have based on what your parents think you should have or things you think you should do. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, this isn't what I want. Why am I living life for other people, right? Yeah, that's the wake up. I mean, that's it's interesting. I didn't know that stat about the 30s, but it makes sense because around 30, 29, 30, 31 is what they call Saturn returns because Saturn takes that long to go around the sun. So you've had one Saturn in your life, and that's when you really question who you are, you know? Wow. Uh, which is why I date women that are over 30. Okay. Yes, hey, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just just no, just joking. Hey, I'm, 40, hey, I'm 45. No. Well, and didn't you, haven't you heard also the statistic or not even statistic, but how women are five years more mature than men? So yeah, 50 years more mature, but yeah. uh, much more, but just meaning like someone that's already looked deeply at who they are, you know? So right. that tends to happen around that time. So if anyone's getting something around that time, um, yeah, that's that's a good thing. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. supposed, that's supposed to happen. We're supposed to question. Uh, but I agree with you. Like, we're not really taught to do that. We don't have a lot of coming of age things, you know, coming of age quests into adulthood in America, uh, which is why, like, something like that motorcycle trip is kind of like that, this quest to, like, come into your faith. And, I mean, there's a lot of parts of this culture that's really off, you know, the way we're made to be so independent and... I got, I can go on and on about, you know, oh, yeah. capitalism I, is a little bit off. I not in general. I mean, we need regulated capitalism. I think freedom is very key. That's one of my things I'm passionate about is freedom, but a real understanding of freedom and how we use it responsibly. Obviously, if we didn't have regulations, you know, people would tear up the earth even more. And right. 
Hey there, I'm a born Minnesotan, now Michigan girl whose life was thrown into an ineffable state of uncertainty in 2014. I was 24 years old and diagnosed with a rare deadly tumor. Superhuman doctors at the Mayo Clinic of Rochester, Minnesota saved my life by cutting me in half then putting me back together again with my leg bone. We decided to put me in a cauldron full of chemotherapy drugs for nearly a year in hopes of killing the mutated cells while my incisions in my skin from three days of surgery took seven months to heal. It was so tough, but I'm so glad I'm here with you all on the other side. My fiance Tyler and I have started creating bonus content for our Patreon supporters. Patreon gives creators the tools needed to acquire, manage, and energize their paying patrons. Having to ask people for money is difficult, and your support of this show is greatly appreciated. Thank you for sharing in my dream, and be sure to check out the bonus content online at patreon.com for slash push diaries podcast let's get back to the show so i i think the i should say the value system in this country gets a little warped through the media and that's yeah the reason why i do what i do is in my own small little way just like to correct that you know a little bit so you watch something like like the road to dharma i just released this 10 episode series and, and that's meant to like readjust your idea of freedom and how much power you have. Just like heal, you have the power to heal within you. With the Rhododharma, you have the power of your own freedom. How you look at the world is your choice. And it's not so dependent on the outer. And yeah, of course America didn't teach you that because they want you to also be a consumer and, and create part of the economy. And right. If you're playing in the stock market, then you're also very more invested in the stock market, which means you, you're less apt to want to kind of revolt against some things that are clearly wrong. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's, that's no, not but, it's more values on my part. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, you know, the same therapist that recommended the Heal documentary for me to watch, you know, we talk a lot about the four agreements. I'm sure you've heard of that book sure, sure, and yeah. the value system that you're talking about us yeah. as a society. And even your little joke remark about you being like a smart math kid. It's like, <laughs> you're right, though. There's so much more to our lives when we graduate high school and go to college than even the degrees we could choose, right? So it's like, what advice do you have for young people listening? I mean, I feel like they could probably write up something just based on hearing us, but what advice do you have for, you know, if you, Adam, weren't so apt to go and be curious and kind of pave your own trail, what would you tell tell yourself if you weren't as free in that way? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody, much like healing, it's very, um, there's no one size fits all. You know, there's no modality that works for everybody with healing. There's no magic pill. I think we have to ask ourselves, like, what we're drawn to in life. You know, have a little bit of trust and faith in that. And, you know, in my case, after college, I was like, I don't know why I wanted to learn Spanish and, of course, keep playing soccer. That's where I felt alive. Um, so have some faith in your own innate, you know, intuition in that way and what you want to do. And that doesn't mean like do whatever I want to do, like go do this today and run around and do that. It, just, it mean more like what you're feeling called or what feels curious or where you, you have a passion and learning because that's going to take you a lot farther necessarily than, than the exact education or, or where you're starting from. But, Absolutely. Um, so I would, you know, really recommend that as advice to tap into to you or just ask the question, write about it for a little while, you know, um, 
talk yeah. about that loud with somebody else. You can hear your own voice speak it and see if it if you get really impassioned about it. Um, I, I do that with projects now. Like, okay, which one do I am I feeling next? Do I want to put time into? I better have passion around it because uh, it's it's a long road. These documentaries are long roads for sure, and it's not all you know blissed out stuff. It's work, right? Yeah. It's just work. It's a business. You know, distribution's a business. Creativity is discipline. I tell people it's the discipline of engineering so that you can make enough space so creativity can come in. You have to have this discipline and do the work of writing and research, and then the insights can come in. It's not like this one big creative sprawl of painting and throwing, you know, Sidney Pollock stuff all over the wall. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's not as idyllic as it sounds, although I did jump in the ocean this morning, which was pretty interesting day. Like that, that is awesome, but you're right. It's like even from a production standpoint, like you're saying, it's like, yeah, you could make an hour, two hour documentary, but it took you hours to plan. Years. Yeah. Years. And it boils down to 90 minutes and someone's like, that was good. And they move on, you know, um, but that's okay. Like if you just sparked a few people, you know, uh, heal is yeah. impacted a lot. The road to Dharma, I actually built a course around it, too, so that people could go slower if they want to. They could watch the show and take a course in freedom and do meditations and stuff. So I, I'm, I'm mixed media a bit there and said, let me do something totally different. That's so cool. So you're I'm like building a community of people that yeah. have followed you, but also want to take on some of your um, yeah. values, I guess, moving forward. Yeah, because you can watch the Road to Dharma series and you can fly through it. You can binge it and you'll get it and you'll be stoked um but then to go back and go like wait what was the theme of episode five? Oh, it's that freedom and that space oh episode six is relationship and what was they talking about and have it written um and this isn't promotion this is just more like what i think media can do you know like well that's and i'm i am so happy you're sharing about it because i you know i was looking up like your your production page of the other documentaries you had made and i think it's super cool that you're kind of giving us a little bit of light into these other documentaries because imagine how much better our world world would be truly adam if we had more people that could share this type of perspective because yeah. It's not common for for people under the age of 30 to have these conversations. <laughs> more so in Santa Monica, California. Yeah, a, yes. a, a, a little more so. But the other advice I, I might give people, you. Is, you know, the other advice is, um, <laughs> there was advice. Uh, I, I really do think meditation is a powerful, powerful tool. Um, and anyone can do it. And it starts to just build awareness. That's what I talk about a lot is that meditation builds this muscle called awareness. You're not trying to meditate. You're not trying to get calm. You're not trying to block out stuff. You're building your awareness. And with awareness comes like like teaching a, a person to fish. It, it's a tool. And when you're aware of your own emotions and triggers, then you at least have the sovereignty to, to say, do I want to do something about this? Um, do I need to heal that? Or do I even need to act that way anymore? And so that's like the biggest thing. If you can start to develop some meditation practice that builds awareness of yourself instead of you know fogging ourselves or hiding and running and escaping that that's the best thing you can do and then you know of course within that you know wherever you're feeling curious or passionate like like the, the breath work does work really well for people the 10 minutes of breath work pranayama that we do on the heel instagram it shifts you really quick and you could hear me say that but if you just do 10 minutes of pranayama you're like oh my god that does work yeah. And now you're empowered. You can't go. 
you, you no longer can say like I have no authority over my emotions. Yeah, no, you could just do 10 minutes of breath work and you can change and, how you feel. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. I have take I have responsibility. Much- is what I'm saying. Don't be afraid of responsibility over yourself right? because you do want it. You know. Oh you yeah. And I'll be honest, like I have a lot of work to do in myself. Like, you know, with with again going back to like the depression in my family or like the victim mentality, like. I know that that's something that could swallow me up too, right? So like I have to fight against that every day. But you're right, you can take responsibility over how you react to those things and it's pretty empowering to discover that just with breath work, I mean how how easy is that once you are able to submit yourself to that, I guess? I mean, that's pretty powerful. Um and it takes practice, right? Like, so we have to be really kind to ourselves, you know, especially if we have history of, of anxiety and how it can spin out and years of thinking that, uh-oh, when it comes, like, it can take us down. Like, so we have to build another muscle that is the power muscle that says, I also have techniques to not spin out that are right. just as strong as the spin out. Then you can start to go, I'm not so afraid. Yeah. Because like, I know that's part of it. You know, I know that's part of it is, like, do I have a safety pill or do I have something just in case because I don't want to spin? Um, yeah, I, I get that. You know, I've talked to a lot of people about mental health for sure. Yeah. And so I, I know you touched on this a little bit with your brother and in college, like the substance abuse. But how do you how do you what do you say to people when they say like, Adam, how do I stop using marijuana or how do I stop drinking all the time to cover my anxieties? Like, what do you have to say about substance abuse? Because I'm sure you've thought a lot about it over the years. Yeah, um, I'd say, what do you say? The way uh, Yogananda, Paramhansa Yogananda talked about it, he wrote a book called The Autobiography of a Yogi, which is insanely popular, and um, he's no longer with us. But he said, you know, look, when one of the guys asked, like, hey, can I come study with you? He said, can I, can I continue to drink? He said, sure. Can I continue to smoke marijuana? Yeah, sure. Can I continue to have sex with multiple women? Like, yeah, no problem. He said, but I don't promise that you'll want to. Yeah. So that's all to say um, I believe in the, rather than the denial kind of state, I, I believe in build up the other muscle, B- build up how good it feels to exercise, build up the other endorphins, build up the, the pranayama and, and realize how much that can help you. Um, then, of course, you know, I personally didn't deal with addiction. I'm sure I might have been classified that as an alcoholic <laughs> in college just for the way. Right. Me too. Me, me too, my do. friend. Welcome to the Midwest. You know, yes. Uh, we're kind of yeah. talking drink, drink, drink. But, um, you know, my friend Tommy Rosen has a great program, uh, Recovery 2.0. Uh, I even did a film on alcohol addiction that uses, um, uses a pill to help the, I guess you'd call it like a Pavlovian theory to help reduce the craving right so it starts to when you take a drink you block the endorphin receptors so that you don't feel the high so you no longer associate the high with the alcohol so there's other things you can do to start to release your addiction to what released endorphins and start to put it towards something else that releases endorphins that's quote-unquote more healthy Um, i'm a big believer in that build the other one and there's other things you can do in the meantime to to bring your association with that other substance down sure helpful um because i'm not like a a hardcore like just stop and quit not everyone can do that right Uh, yes and i think it's i think it's you're right i think it's probably 
not as common for people to be able to stop doing that. I mean, we, I'm sure you have friends and or family or friends of friends of family that have gone through rehab and then had to go back or, and, and I love the example you gave about like, Hey, you can do all those things, but eventually you won't need it. Like eventually you, the idea is you won't need all those things, right? Like that's the end goal. And I, and I, and I want to be like really clear, like, from the yogic perspective, which is how I live my life, like it's not a purist type thing. I don't see it that way. It's not a negating life type thing. I still have a glass of wine or a glass of whiskey or whatever, you know. Um, you can enjoy things, you know. It's um, so I think people think there's a kind of hiding out in the cave, and maybe the powers that be would want you to think that that's what yoga is or that that's what the yogic lifestyle. It's not. It's more in life, you know. The yeah. True- Tantric tradition, tantric not meaning sex, but tantric is like living life, being it's in more the world. fluid, yeah. So use life. So um, so you know, it's meant. I, I see all this spirituality stuff. If it can't make you be a better human in this world, then it's not worth a damn. Like it needs to inform you on how to live. And the more you do it, you think, okay, cool, yeah, I can have a drink now. Again, it might not work for everybody. People that are alcoholics, they might right? Not work. But. Uh, it's not meant to be like I have the pure life now. I've I've conquered all my quote unquote vices. You can have coffee. Someone was asking right. me like, oh, how do I do this sattvic diet uh, with no eggs and no meat and no coffee? I'm like, I'm personally vegetarian because I don't want to kill animals and I don't think we need to. That's my belief. Yeah. You don't have to be to join my meditation. Right. <laughs> you know, my girlfriend eats meat like you wouldn't believe because for her body she got caught like she does it. She wants yeah, she wants to eat protein and that's okay. That's or okay. meat protein, yeah. Meat protein, it's totally cool. So I want us all to like kind of wipe the slate of the purest type, Catholic purist, the, the guilt, the be in the cave, the, the it's about getting rid of the world. No, being in the world and, and how to more uh, freely be in the world and be, you know, more responsible for how we view it and how we act in it. Just that, you know? So yeah. if you're going to have a drink, you're responsible for that. Don't go dry. Okay. Right, exactly. I know it's funny what, that we put so much pressure on ourselves when it could be so much more simple, yeah. but, but you're right. It does kind of go back to capitalism and just the way that our culture is formed. It's like just crazy when you think about all of it. So, so where did you go after India? Do you want to share more after India, kind of what you did and where you are now and other projects you're working on? Cause I want to make sure you get a plug there. Not that you need it, but. No, because I've been plugging the whole time. I'm, I'm, I'm a genius <laughs> like that. Um, well, it's good. I like it. <laughs> I'm a self-proclaimed genius. If you want me to really plug, I'll just keep calling myself a genius until you believe it. That's, we will believe it, but then we want to know how yeah. we can be geniuses too. So keep that, sharing. Right and, then, right, and then I'll make the genius app, uh, which is really yeah. Um, as if it, it's the same things will work for everybody. It's 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 not you. Tools and principles, I think, are really important, but the way, not so much. It's not like follow what Adam did to get to X, Y, Z. It just worked like that. Nor would you probably want to, knowing what I've had to go through. Um, you know, you might just not like being afraid on a motorcycle 12 yeah. hours a day. I mean, I could find a three-wheeler and attempt something like that, but yeah, it would be pretty <laughs> rough. I'd be pretty stressed. Season two. I mean, I am looking at season two for Road to Dharma. So Road to Dharma is motorcycling again through the Himalayas. So the highest pass was the first one. We just released the Road to Dharma. So we went with the same guru, Anand, and a new group of people to sacred sites of freedom. Okay. And so it's stunningly beautiful. 
in terms of well shot music by all the all the cats you would know if you're into the yoga music uh and it plays like a a series that you want to follow the characters there's a 75 year old guy that's hopping back on a bike there's a couple that's going through a possible divorce or saving their marriage there's a woman that's a rider that has never ridden before that learned because she saw me do it in the highest pass i can do it kind of thing so you have characters that you can relate to i really love that series and the course we built around it and we you know season two um will happen i'm looking at maybe going to new zealand because we can actually film there so that's maybe so we'll see maybe pull that off and yeah if you if you can you can come there's nothing stopping you from being there in some right? way your car yeah. sidecar whatever however it works yeah. yeah yeah well if you ever need a chick in a wheelchair you know who to give a call to because yeah, i would i would 100 percent do that and you know like i said adam i one big reason why i started this podcast i mean i I had to first swallow my pride of being able to talk about things I was insecure about. Right. But also wanting to share stories. And I, again, I love that you're doing that. I think it's so cool that you're kind of just saying, all right, let's grab this kind of weird handful of people that all came from different places, have different experiences and see what happens when we all work together to go through this trip. Like that's just fascinating to me i can't wait to watch these other documentaries it is it, it's fun i mean because everyone really is representing different archetypes or you'll resonate with somebody your husband will resonate with somebody else you both might think i've had a lot of people that are writers think after two episodes you guys are nuts like some of these people aren't adept enough to be riding and then they get to episode three and they see where it goes and the depth that it goes and we get to our first sacred site and um, so you go from purposely making you question in the first two episodes the craziness because that's what everyone's going through. They're like, this is, what am I doing here in order to get to that first kind of aha and breakthrough? So you're, you're, you'll feel really with us. That's what I love about like the way we did it is to make you feel like you're in India because not everyone will be able to go. You know, and right. and right now it's hard to even leave the house, at least in California. We're kind of on some lockdown again. Um, yeah. It's so hard. I know us too here in Michigan, we are too. So yeah, it, it is. I, I'm so thankful that you chose a career path that like allows you to continue even, you know, bringing, bringing all this hard work that you spent, like you said, years on right into people's homes. They can play it right after they listen to this episode with you and kind of follow along on your journey. I think it's sweet that you're doing a season two and, you're talking about New Zealand, and I'm sure you're not going to be done with your travels after this. So plenty it's just of, so plenty neat. Of, plenty of ideas popping around. Yeah, we'll see where it takes us. I'm very thankful for you for sharing your story and for telling stories. I see that Michigan sunset in the background. That's I nice. know. It's weird. It Like, literally, Adam, the sun is just peeking over the trees. It's going to be dark outside in probably 20 minutes, and it's, what, know. 2 o'clock where you live, so... <laughs> The world turns. <laughs> That's the truth. Okay, so how did you get like heel up, up kind of off the ground? Like, did other riders contact you? Like, talk a little bit about that. And and which one, heel or the heel or what to them? Both. And I want to just yeah, like, what is exciting? What really like? What part of your passion was like? Yes, I have to do that. Yeah. So heel Kelly Gores, who's in the film. Um, it was just her baby, her idea, and she brought me on to produce it with her, right? Yeah. She knew I had a background in conscious filmmaking, and 
she hadn't done a doc before. So it was a nice, nice partnership, really a trifecta because our editor is a very experienced filmmaker as well. Um, and so us three in post-production really worked well together in terms of tell, telling that story. But when Kelly originally approached me, um, it was like, of course I would want to work on this. This is her number one goal was impact, right? It wasn't return on investment. It was impact. Can we help people? Right. I said, perfect. You know, that's amazing. Let's go with that. And so many people are ill uh, that I knew there'd be an audience for it. And of course, some of my, she was planning on getting, you know, some of my favorite people like Deepak Chopra and, and the list goes on. Chopra is like one of the books I read when I was yeah. 15. Amazing people in that documentary. Yeah. For anybody that hasn't watched it, please go watch it. It's great. I mean, yes, everybody in there, I'm just like wowed by it's, and you know, like we're the, the theme that we're talking about, Adam is like, none of this stuff is surprising, right? Like we know eating healthy is important. We know positive thoughts are important, but Kelly, Kelly's right. Like impact is still so huge though, because so many people just truly don't know. They're just not educated about the freedom in that. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, and I learned a ton making the film cause I had come from such a yogic background. Then there's the subset, I would say subset within that of like healing. And then to meet, these modalities and experts and ways of healing was super fascinating to me. So regardless of how much experience I had, I was learning a ton. And um, I think anyone would like, especially like you said, like what advice would you give somebody? If, so, if I knew somebody that was sick or had a loved one that was sick, I would say, just watch it and see what kind of resonates with you. Cause we're not like super in your face, woo woo saying we have the answer. We're just opening the scope and saying maybe emotions, stress, thought, all these things have a little more to do with it than we're, than we're really talking about mm -hmm. and, and support where you live, what you might be doing in life, what trauma you have emotionally, um, might be even more important than the food. You know, like you are yeah. already a healthy person yet something's happening. So maybe there's something to look at. And of course, and sometimes it's, it's none of that. And like, sometimes we just go through things, you know, and we're not anti-Western. Right. We wouldn't have said, like, don't have surgery or whatever. Right. It's like, OK, well, within that, how do I prepare myself? Like one of the ladies in heel, you know, she had chemo, but she reframed her mind and, and saw chemo as her friend. Yes. So Pack herself and use visualization for that. And so and, and one of the other people in heel, if, that, if you haven't seen it, for those that haven't seen it, it's not a necessarily a happy ending. It's not necessarily a, a finished thing. Like, right. You try to portray the reality of it like chronic and mystery illness is crazy especially if you're in a system that's not really built for that right so, um, again it's one of these films that should it, open people up to the power they have and then go you know what i'm really resonating with that modality or with that train of thought i'm going to look more into my emotions or or the stress that i'm under that's the key i think for like showing that film to someone is just to see what kind of comes up absolutely yeah what bubbles up yeah. Okay, so then Road to Dharma, you were you were in South America, right? Is that what you said? Or Road to Dharma is in India. It's in the Himalayas of India. But you were were you in South America when you like thought of going to India or No, maybe in a not a past life. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but I yeah, how did you get squared away with that? Like what happened when you were like, Okay, I'm gonna go play more soccer and learn other languages and meet a bunch of people like what bubbled up for you so when I, when I first so after college I went to Ecuador played soccer you know learned a language all that Ecuador, came back okay. came, 
Yeah, Ecuador. Uh, came back to Michigan, then went to Singapore and did similar. Then I retired and I went and meditated for a month at a monastery in, in Thailand. Uh, so that, that was my retirement from pro soccer. If you will. That's so cool that you did <laughs> meditation for a stinking month. That is so cool. Yeah, including like a 10, 10 day silent, you know, retreat type thing. And so then came back to Michigan, was coaching soccer, eventually did engineering, got bored, did, you know, improv comedy and all that. Eventually moved to L.A., thought I was settling down and met a teacher who then took me to India. And then I met what is now my who is now my guru, Anand. He then came to America. I then went back. So within a year, I had seen him three times, went to India twice in a year and then went on my own instead of with a group. I went on and studied with him one on one. I think it was 2009, January, February of 2009. And that's when he, during that time, one-on-one training with, nowadays people would be like, how did you get him one-on-one? Like, cause you know, he's much more well-known. But one-on-one training, like every day, meditating together, doing yoga together, talking together, just sitting like the old school of like guru to student, you know, just this, not always like spiritual discussion, just going to have coffee, you know? Yeah. Back yeah. then, we had to drive an hour from where, you know, Rishikesh to go find an actual good coffee, you know. Nowadays, in Rishikesh, you can get a good coffee. But back then, you could, you know, that's how quickly it's grown there. But Wow. And at that point, I remember him, you know, that's when he turned to me, he goes, you want to go on this highest road in the world? And uh, I'm thinking, this guy's trying to kill me again. He's always yeah. getting this stupid <laughs> You know, like, but just say yes. I, I mean, slow motion kind of thing, like, just move your mouth, say yes. This is where you do say yes. I'm like, yeah. You know, then yeah. I'm like, oh no, what did I just do? Right. Yeah. Uh, thus, the highest pass came from that. And after making that film and learning as much as I did and going to Kazakhstan and making the next one, I thought, I want to I want to go back, but I want to make a series because 90 minutes, you tell a lot, but like, I really wanted more time in your house, to be yes. honest, you know, to talk to you. I wanted more time with the teachings. I wanted more time to let you ground into India and these different places. So that's where the road to Dharma came from. It was really my desire to say, let's make something longer, bigger, more in depth. The trips were happening no matter what. That's the thing to understand. These trips were happening. These people were going. Whether or not they were going to be filmed, they never really knew till like a couple months before. Like, hey, we got financing. It happened. And so Sweet. everyone pays for their own journey. They're going on a pilgrimage. They're not going on a TV show. Right. Right. I, I just have access to what there are. Yeah, that's part of the journey. You want it to be raw and authentic. And part of that is them kind of getting themselves there mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. So as one of my friends here says, raw authentic. So just just like there, you said, raw and authentic. It's raw authentic. It is raw authentic. I like yeah. that. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's where that one came from. That that, you know, that was itself like a very on a filmmaking level, very long process because the, the raising money for that and spending my own money and the Yeah, the it's like your baby. That's your heel kind of. Like that yeah. was your journey. And it took a long time to kind of get it where it is. Doing an independent series is is quite unheard of. You know, um, independent film, sure. But a series independently, it's a little more unheard of. And um, so, yeah, sometimes you cool. got to you know, so, like, don't do a series. You make doc films. Do what you know. And I'm like, I'm sorry. This has to be a series. Thanks for your input. Get out of my house. You know? Right. Yeah. Sorry. I'm doing it anyways. So <laughs> after after New Zealand, do you have any other like hopes and dreams down the road? Or maybe this will come up once you're in New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, New Zealand would be cool. 
if that happens for Road to Dharma season two, we'll see. I, I'd like it to go three, four seasons. I think there's a lot to it, um, meaning new people. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's what I love. So I think, yeah. I think there's a lot to it. There's another series that I'm pitching. I have three other series that I'm pitching as well. So it's, it's a lot of doc series that I pitch and also one of my doc, I can't talk about it, about doc film slash series. I'm also considering writing it as a narrative, you know, writing as a, as a fictional piece kind of based on, it's like based on what could have been a true story. <laughs> Sweet. You're right. It's not even a true story because we didn't do it yet, but like I'm writing what would have yeah. happened. If we did well, the that's doc, cool, Adam. That's still a form of art. You're going to do great at it. I know you oh, will. It's it's a fun one. It's it's one you wouldn't think I would do, but it has um, spiritual underpinnings of of the way we all try and escape life instead of take responsibility for it. So Yeah, yeah. So in like 13 years, you have, what, four documentaries out now? Or what did you say, three? How many are you at? 2009, I, so, well, I, I guess 11, 11. years. 11, yeah. 11 years, a seven. So that is... Just the don't pass, know. the polygon, one little pill, heal, the road to Dharma, and then I help. Oh, and then um, Women of the White Buffalo about Native American women, the missing and murdered Indigenous women. Those yes. six I recently helped to distribute a film called Chase in the Present. So I can say I worked on that a year with them. So there's really seven films and series that I feel uh, I've had a big part of that I'm really proud of putting out there. Incredible. So very, seven, very cool. Yeah. Now, do you have, is there a website? I might have this totally wrong, but did you have a website where you had people go to, to start meditating or doing like, um, beginner yeah. yoga stuff? Cause yeah. I thought I looked that up like six months ago when I was telling you, what is that website? I do have a site. It's called adam.yoga. That's instead, it. Yeah. Instead of .com, adam.yoga. And there I, you can, there's links to Road to Dharma, of course, in that, in that course. There's three free meditations there, which are predominantly um, breathwork based, right? So I say meditations, but it's not just silent. Um, it's, it's a lot of sure. breathwork in those. And that was specifically, actually, those are for this COVID time. One's for lung capacity strengthening. One's for reducing stress and anxiety. And the third one is for... Uh, yeah, lightening up, I believe, like the light Sweet. body for la Sweet. laughing. Just and are those just audio meditations or are those video? Those are audio. Those are Sweet. audio. On the website, there's visuals on it, but it's just photos from the Road to Dharma, kind of like a slideshow. Right cool. Well, I'm excited to watch those other documentaries because I haven't yet. Yeah. And if you're okay, I'll share your Adam.yoga with the listeners so they can go look at that. And sure, of course. Thank you so much for your time. I know we're kind of getting to the end here. Is there anything else you want to share or plug for people to look up based on anything we've talked about that you think would be a good resource? Yeah, like in terms of, um, I mean, if anyone's thinking meditation at all, of course, you can start with that pranayama work at adam.yoga. There are good apps out, out there like Calm and Headspace. Um, yes, and usually, Headspace. And usually there are people probably near you, to be honest, that also like, gather or teach you you know so just you know if you put the word out like to friends and be like hey i'm interested in meditation something like, yeah, i know somebody that does that and maybe you could join i think that's important too to have a little bit of community absolutely so, especially now yeah so maybe you start with some audio or something but then just ask around your friends and your network and because then it's nice too i've had a meditation here for every monday for 11 years at my house every monday i, I hold space and people gather at my house 
during COVID, it's on Zoom, but, um, and you end up developing some cool friends, you know, that might be outside of your normal network. And it's nice to have a, a group of friends that also has an interest in meditation and growth that can support you a little bit. Absolutely. And then you're still doing the guided meditations on the Heal Instagram page too, right? At yeah. Wednesdays at what time? 6 p.m. Pacific. 6 p.m. Pacific. Awesome. All right. 25 minutes. Those are quick. What else would I recommend? I would recommend you watch Road to Dharma. I mean, come Heck on. Yeah, I'm going to watch it tonight. That's what I'm going to do. You and your fiance watch together because it's got that combination. It's really I'm good. excited to share it with him and I'm excited for your season two. And like I said, maybe if I grow a pair, I'll, I'll join you sometime. Cause it <laughs> would be, it, yeah, I mean, you know, figuratively, not literally, no, but I understand. I understand it. Yeah. It would, it would just be amazing. I like, I need to be, I need to quit being so fearful and, and jump on some of these ideas because it's just, it's incredible. So thank you for your time. If anything, I hope the people listening could, you know, feel inspired by what you've done and what you've shared. So thank you, Adam. Um, Thank you. Remember, everyone, to forgive yourself like 12 times a day. Hold yourself to high principles, but forgive yourself 12 times a day. You know, be easy. Be kind. Thank you so much. Adam, I just want to get a couple pictures of you for my website. What do I, because I don't want to, you know, mess up any copyright things. How do I do that? Do you want to send me a couple that, like, you have rights to or can I Google or what do I do with that? I'll send you, I'll send you a couple photos. That'd be awesome. And I'll just, sure. I'll send you the link. You'll be live sometime probably tomorrow, honestly. So we'll okay. be in touch. So thank you so much. And if there's other photos you do like that I don't send you, just send it to me. But can I use this one? I'll go, sure. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's Sounds nice. good. Or no, that one's, yeah, that one costs 20 bucks. <laughs> 20. <laughs> right. Uh, no, nothing out there should cost any money. Oh, good. Well, thank you, Adam, so much. I really appreciate all your time. I hope you have a great rest of your night. You too. Have fun. All right. Later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. This has been Push Diaries Podcast. Please visit our website at pushdiariespodcast.com to see our mission and learn more about the guests. This is your podcast, too. I want to hear your stories. Email me at pushdiariespodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com forward slash pushdiariespodcast. Thank you for listening.